Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch, my name is Windy and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend Bardi, hello Bardi. Good evening Windy. And our tactics guy and meme creator extraordinaire Nathan A. Clark uh, will be joining us a bit later, so a little look behind the curtain, I'm recording uh, with Bardi now and then I'm going to record with Nathan after the Bayern game. So to you it will seem like a seamless piece of work, uh, but actually Bardi and I, we're talking on Monday night post-Southampton and everything's fine again, right Bardi? Yeah, and I don't think I don't realise why you split Nathan and up. Because we had a good old bonding session at the football on <laughs> Saturday, you're worried that he might become my new best friend. I, I thought you would notice that, but um, yeah, <laughs> I, you, you know I'm a schemer, so you see straight through me. <laughs> yeah. What did you What did you make of the game? Uh, it looked like it was going to be a pretty run-of-the-mill game, that we were going to turn up, play fine football, play maybe not perhaps the, the greatest game, but win the match and then kind of move on from Colchester. But as as we as we know, the game took a took a dramatic twist. And ultimately I think I said afterwards when I was talking to people at the stadium, I think ultimately perhaps it was the best thing that could happen to Spurs. Not just because now Aurea is suspended for, for a match. Hmm. But um we have um we have a team that has kind of it was forced to work together to win this game. So whatever the truth is behind rumours about splits and not being a unit and anything like that, to win this match, we had to have a team that came together um, and come through that adversity. And they did. And had we lost the game, I think it's one of those, it's like a, a split in the road. Had we lost that game, it really would have been curtains for us. But we won it. We came through it. And it's got, I think that will serve us great in the, in the long run. I actually completely agree with that summary. It's... um. It's really weird that a sending off could actually do us a favour. Being down to 10 men just completely focused the minds of the players and it meant that they could play a, a solid game without trying to attack too much and just focus on getting the job done and getting over the line. And it seems that actually did help us out in the end. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll talk a little bit, bit about the sending off. Um, yeah, I, I just want to talk about the, the kind of the galvanising of the team because sure. I haven't I haven't referenced um, it's a Italy or Italian football in a while. <laughs> Here we go, and, 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 I, and I should. But um, the last two times, for example, that Italy have won the World Cup, 
it's come through adversity. Either they've completely been destroyed by the press, they've um, had a terrible time, and they've right, that's it, we're not going to talk to the press anymore. We are the team and this is us. Or um, half their team have been done for Calciopoli and they're going to go to prison. And the only way they can come back home and not go to prison is by winning the World Cup. So um, in the same kind of way that Mourinho would sometimes engineer it so it was um, us versus the rest of the world, that's sending off everything else, everyone's talking about us, that that did kind of naturally galvanise us that way. So it's interesting because... You know, just last week we we spoke in some detail about whether this might be the end of the road for Pochettino, and I think we were all sort of saying not yet, not yet. But really, one game has completely changed the feeling in the fan base, and everyone seems back on side with Pochettino. Isn't football just a fickle beast? Of course, we 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 said if we win our next three games, then it's all forgotten. The the crisis is is gone, and. After recording our podcast, he he had his press conference and he basically said all of the right things that you've wanted to hear for weeks. And I was left thinking, why haven't you been saying this in every other press conference? Why have you been throwing players under the bus? Why have you been making out there all these rifts when actually you could have just said this all along and kind of brought us all together and we'd have gone along on the journey with you and, and given you a bit of mm-hmm. uh, bit more leeway? But it, it, he's he's a strange one. There's definitely something up with Pochettino at the moment. But, you know, you've got to tune out the players this week. Um, let's talk about the game in, in kind of more specific terms. So for me, I thought we started fine. Like you said, it, there wasn't anything to write home about, but we were playing some reasonably good football. Um, and before we had Aurier sent off, the man that stood out to me was the first goal scorer, Tonga Ndombele. I thought he looked really good. So Southampton were very organised and they were difficult to break down. And every time we got forward and progressed the ball, it was through an Ndombele flick. It was through something he'd done to create space or to create, to get the ball beyond their midfield. And that really impressed me. I kind of knew, um, I knew he was a good player. But he's a lot more skillful than I think I realised. Did you notice that in, from watching in the ground? Yeah, definitely. He was um, he was breaking the press a lot. As you said, they were compact. He was taking the ball and going through the, their lines, opening the game up. Um, the referee who had a who had a terrible match. I thought he he could have booked two or three Southampton players in that in that first half an hour period who were tactically fouling Endombele. And um, the fact that he booked Oreo so quickly was totally against how he'd been managing the the game. He'd been almost like too too um, too le- uh, not too lenient. He'd been too relaxed, and then all of a sudden he decided, no, that's it. I'm going to stop all these petty fouls now. Um, yeah, he was great, and he 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 missed an opportunity. Well, he didn't miss it back on the highlights. It was deflected over, but he had a very similar opportunity to the goal he scored, where he was just arriving at the edge of the box. And of course, it's it's too early to properly compare him to Dembele, but he's already got two league goals to his name, which is I'm going to take a rough guess, perhaps nearly what Dembele got in all his years at Spurs. Maybe he got four, if that. Yeah, and I think um, from everything I've read, this is an extraordinary scoring rate for Ndombele, which he won't keep up. But the signs are good that he's getting into the he's, he's arriving in the box at the right time, mm. and I guess that's one thing you could say about the formation we played. So we played the diamond ish again um well we started in that in that way at least and that gives Ndombele a bit of freedom to get forward because he knows that Winks is holding behind him so but perhaps there's an argument that um if we if we maintain that formation then it allows him to show his showcase some of his skills in the opposition box but he he looked really good um and then so he, he scored the opening goal and it was, a, it was a good finish it took a nick so it kind of made Angus Gunn look foolish but actually it was a lot harder than it looked um in real time 
Uh, and then the sending off happened. So Aurier's first challenge was, I mean, ridiculous because the guy was going nowhere and he just scissored him and picked up a, an obvious yellow. The second one proved slightly controversial amongst people, though. What did you make of it? Uh, yeah, the first one at, in the stadium where I sat, I thought, I thought it was it was it was definitely a foul. I thought the referee had gone a bit early in his yellow card. As I said, he hadn't booked anybody up to that point. And I think we ended a game without a Southampton player being booked. So I thought he was a bit harsh that the first kind of Spurs foul he booked. But I've seen the replay and it is a booking. But the problem is, in the context of the game, it, it wasn't. Which is which is why I get annoyed by referees. That if you're letting stuff consistently go, why? Or what makes you decide right now, guys, I'm just going to start booking everything. But it was a yellow card in a normal football match. And the second yellow was, was soft. But Aurier, Winks, they're all a little bit of fault for this. Aurier was caught out of position. Winks was caught arguing with the linesman. And... Um, he he made a decision which was wrong and Bertrand took full advantage of it. Yeah, I think you've summed it up in saying that he was making up for his own mistake in trying to pull Bertrand back by the shorts. And mm. I, I feel like these days, if you are if, if you can be seen to pull a shirt or pull shorts, you're going to get a yellow card almost regardless of where it happens on the pitch now. And, and that it's one of those things that it, it is soft, you're right, and it probably isn't enough to bring a player down. But when a player feels a tug, they're going to go to ground, particularly when they're up against a player who's just been booked. So it was incredibly foolish from Aurier. Um, and he, he misses a game now, which means that someone else has got a chance to stake a stake a claim for that right back berth. So foolish in more ways than one. Um, but the, 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 the um, sending off really changed our um, style and it had an immediate change to our formation. So Sissoko went out to right back. How did you yeah. how did you feel when that happened? Were you were you nervous for him? It, come on, it's the experiment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> we've 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 all been waiting to see what he can do there. And um no, he can't play right back. He <laughs> did fine he did fine. He he did fine in a very um Sissoko kind of way there. He he worked hard, he tackled well, nobody got the beating of him, but positionally, um the first half I sit in I sit in the corner of the south. And the right back is right underneath me. And you could see he was getting dragged inside and he was out of position. And he he's not used to that role. Perhaps he could be he could be made into one, but he's definitely not a starting right back right now. It's, yeah, sure. So I think that that's true that he would definitely need some, some sheen, some polish if he were to make that position his own. And Alderweireld's given quite an interesting interview saying that he thought Sissoko did really well, but they kind of coached him through the game, which is which is mm. great. That's exactly what you want. You want your kind of experienced centre-backs to be um, talking to a guy who's filling in there. I mean, I, the thing I liked about Sissoko was he was very conservative. People have kind of sp- spoken up about him playing at right back because he could make these kind of lung lung busting runs forward. But actually, he kind of played within himself. And I, I liked that. I liked the fact that he was cautious. He tucked inside next to his centre back and he didn't do too much. He just said, beat me. And they couldn't beat him more often. Yeah, and, and I think um, Sissoko, last week where you were worried about when he got booked that he might, got sent, he might have got sent off. But I have faith in Sissoko. He may be a terrible finisher and his passing may be all over the place, but he's a very, very smart footballer who understands his roles. So I was never concerned about him. Um, if he's got someone guiding him and helping him through, he was going to be fine. Had um, Sissoko been booked after 
30 minutes, I wouldn't have had a concern about him doing an Aurea. He would just simply wouldn't have done that. He would have allowed the player to have gone and tried to catch him up. And that, that's the difference between um, Sissoko and Aurea. Um, Sissoko's smart. Aurea, he's, he's not. No, I agree. He's a yeah, he's a hothead at best. Yeah, yes. And he's a very unintelligent footballer at worst. Um, so it seemed to be going okay. And then ball gets get played back to Hugo Lloris. He no. tries to do a Croy turn, but he forgets to take the ball. And it was pretty ugly. Do you know, I, I didn't even see it. I was I was in the ground and I didn't see it go in because um, the ball had gone back to Lloris and immediately my eyes went up the pitch and I went to look, where's Kane, where's Son, who's he going to clear it to, What kind, you know when he chips it out, wide, what the wide pass is going to be. And then all of a sudden, because you just judge, it goes back to the goalkeeper and I should have known better, but it's going to be safe. And then you, you realise the ball hasn't gone out of his feet yet. And then you kind of start looking down and you're like, oh my God. And then history. You've seen a that's a, that's a momentous that's, that's going down in, in the halls of fame, man. And then you, sometimes you got to realise that you've just witnessed a bit of football in history, and that's that's what we that's what we all saw. And um, it was a strange feeling. The South Stand just kind of just went really eerily quiet. And he he didn't look at us. He couldn't look at us. And at the end of the game, he came over and he said he said sorry to the South Stand, which you know he didn't have to do, but he did. And everybody cheered his name, gave him a good old a good ovation, a good reception. But seventeen thousand people just kind of going, "You absolute dick!" It was. <laughs> did, did, I felt sorry for him. Did he get a bit of abuse? There was a few shouts and stuff, but Lloris, had it been had it been Trippier, it would have been a different story. Lloris has got a, he's got a lot of points in our book, you know. Yeah. He so he's got a lot of love. Kane, there's certain players who can survive those moments, um, and he, he did just about. And then he he actually played pretty well. He'd he'd had, he'd started well and he finished up playing pretty well. So I, I would say he yeah. played better than pretty well. I thought he was outstanding and. Had he not made that error, he would have been our man of the match. I mean, he was—he made two really, really good saves. The one from Yoshida was, mm. that's the kind of save that I don't think many goalkeepers could make. Um, but it was his general handling and his kind of assuredness after that. I, I, again, it, he it, weirdly, it focused his mind. That, that mistake made him concentrate because he was like, I'm not making another one. This is that. That's the last mistake I make today. Um, we we've seen him do silly things with the ball at his feet before, but not that close into goal. That was just absolutely crazy decision making. That ball's just got to go. And Pochettino said after the game, uh, "Blame me. Don't blame Hugo. Blame me because I tell him to play that way." But surely he wouldn't want him to take those kind of risks. That is that's next level. Yeah, the, the the whole because I went, when I came back home and watched it, the whole kind of the whole back four just we looked a little bit shaken. I don't know exactly how many minutes after the sending off it was, but the whole back four just seemed a little bit nervy. And perhaps it wasn't the time to be to be trying something like that. It could have just gone long. But then when you're when you're up against eleven men and you've got a long game coming, you don't want to be just needlessly booting the ball forward. The whole point is you mm-hmm. got to you got to try and kill the game, keep the ball and. I could see the logic behind it, and of course that's how I want Tottenham to play. But perhaps not doing a Cruyff turn there. But yeah, but there's been plenty. There's plenty of examples of good goalkeepers making mistakes, and um, we've actually on t- tomorrow we've actually got Neuer versus Lloris, so we could have proper fireworks. And it's the it's the difficult, most difficult position on the pitch. The goalkeeper is there's there's nowhere to hide. All eyes are on you. If you make a mistake, that's it. It costs a goal. It's um seriously high pressure, and he he normally copes with it pretty well. He he does make some bloopers for sure, but on the whole, he saves more than he lets in, and he adds so much value to our team. So I can't mm-hmm. stay mad at I can't stay mad at Hugo. 
Um, and then just before half time, Harry Kane gets us in the lead again. And he really looked like he was on a one man mission to win us that game. He looked so uh, determined to, to win it for us. Yeah, he looked great. And um, I don't even know if they showed him much of the day his attempt from the halfway line. Oh, that, was, a, that was glorious. Yeah, it, it, it was from far away. And no, he had a he had a great game. I hadn't I haven't seen him play that well, be that mobile, that strong, and that determined for a while. He was taking players on, going down the left, um, cutting inside. No, he and um, it, his finish wasn't the cleanest Harry Kane finish, but it was it was a part of a of a beautiful attacking goal. And excuse me while I stick to an agenda. Uh, Go on, but. I really think it's because he was playing up by himself. I've just got this thing. I don't like it when he's got a partner. I prefer him leading the line alone. And I think that's kind of why we saw him put in that shift in the second half where he was magnificent. He he really did. It's, it's kind of like, I'm your focal point. I'm the one that has to do all this stuff. I don't need your help. You you do your freely bits around the edge and just get me the ball in the box. But like you say, he was making those runs down the left, which we've not really seen a lot of this season. And that's Kane at his best, pulling out wide left, isolating a defender, beating him with some quick feet in the box and then getting shot in. And it's, it's lovely to see. There was one occasion actually where he had a really good opportunity to get shot away and he chose to try and pass and he kind of messed it up. And that was slightly surprising. But at the same time, he's not perfect. And not no player's decision-making is going to be perfect every time. But he looks so good. And the goal was a lovely finish from Kane. He looked full of confidence when he took that. Yeah, um, and Son and Eriksen on the counter. It was... Um... It was kind of like harking back to like the Real Madrid days at Wembley, where the three of them just Ericsson's not the quickest player, but he's he's so smart with the ball. And um, yeah, it was it was it was a great goal. And Ericsson, he had he had a mixed game. You know, he he put a shift in, he worked hard, um, he did some decent things with the ball, but then he also did some terrible things with the ball. And um, I can see why. Um, I can see why there was a bit of a controversy on Twitter about whether or not he played well and uh, whether or not he had a great game. He's definitely been taking a lot of stick this week, Ericsson. And rightfully so, for some some of the things he did was um, was schoolboys schoolboy errors. I mean, it, to me, he just looks completely shot of confidence at the moment. And I don't know if it's um, to do with not getting his move to Real Madrid. I know it's find, finding out that actually no one no one wants you must be quite a hard thing to, to take. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he probably has a slightly higher opinion of himself than um, than other clubs do. So maybe that has got to him. But something's not quite right there. But he, as ever, he ran the most in our team by a considerable margin. And, you know, he's not going to put himself into too many 50-50s. I'm not going to say he bottles them because I don't think that's a fair phrase, but he's not um, he's not one to throw himself into full-blooded challenges. But what he does do is close players down and force them into areas of the pitch where they can't hurt you. And I thought he did a really good job of doing that, actually, when he kind of tucked in on the right-hand side and was um, was helping out Sissoko quite often. And he was fine, you know? He was absolutely fine. And what he did, the bit of interplay with Son for the goal was great. And I think, you know, an inform Ericsson probably doesn't get credit for that because... You just expect it, and it's the norm. But when he's in this kind of form, where he's really struggling, let's 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 look at that and say actually that is something that deserves some credit and deserves um, some some positive thoughts. So I was pleased to see him involved in the goal, and I was pleased to see him help help shut out Southampton defensively as well. Um, the other player that stood out was Harry Winks. What did you make of his performance? No, Winks was good. He's been on um he's been on a bit of a run at the moment where he's had a lot of um lot of good performances um yeah he 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 was good um his passing was pretty decent he got around yeah I can't complain about Winks. He's, he, as I said, he's been on a decent run of form. He seemed to me to kind of take on a bit of a Scott Parker role in that he was he, he, he was a bit of kind of blood and thunder. It wasn't his usual 
uh, one or two touch passing and kind of getting moves started. It was more chasing things down and stopping the opposition hurting us. And we really kept Southampton at arm's length. It was a great team effort to keep them at arm's length. And given that we were down to 10 men for the best part of an hour, uh, their XG was 1.16. So a very respectable defensive performance from us. I was quite impressed uh, yeah. by that. I mean, it was it was a corner and a free kick, that, and then they had a couple of half dangerous crosses, and and that was it really. Um, I, I want to give a quick shout out to Lamella, who I thought was really good when he came on. He was, I, yeah. I perhaps would have taken off um, Ericsson for Lamella and kept Suns counter attacking because I think once that change was made, I did think we we lost the kind of fear factor. But then Sun was being a bit reckless in defence. So I, I totally understand Pochettino's movement. But Lamella was his usual self. And I, there was one moment where he went through the Southampton player and then went actually through Danny Rose as well. He took he was just taking man, ball and then another man. <laughs> that was great, yeah. I mean, I've been quite critical of Pochettino's use of substitutes recently, but I thought he got them pretty much bang on in this one. And Lamella coming on 65 minutes is pretty early for Poch. He normally leaves it until 70-75 before he makes his first change. But that was... Um, Good timing. It worked out well. He then brought on Dyer as well, who also I thought looked pretty steady in midfield. That was good to see. We kind of need Dyer to get back up to speed quickly. Um, so yeah, f- thumbs up um, from me for the substitutions this week for sure. Yeah, but you did see him um, trolling you by bringing on Wanyama as well with yeah. 20 seconds to go. Yeah. Uh, was that just for the ovation or just to kind of wind the clock down a bit, I guess? I think it was just to show us he can do what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a definite power play by Pochettino. Sweet. Okay, well, that is, uh, that's Southampton done. The next bit you're going to hear is post by Munich. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Okay, Nathan, I wasn't expecting uh, us to be talking under these circumstances. Uh, I'm going to give you the option. Do you want to carry on recording right now? (laughs) Not really, but I think, like, I guess it's still, like, I I don't want to do a normal episode. I don't want to break the game down. I don't want to talk about individual players or the tactical approach of the game because I don't think any of that really matters right now. Yeah, and, and also, um, it's too fresh at the moment, isn't it? You need to sort of take a step back. And analyse in the cold light of day. Um, I, my blood is still like boiling at the moment. Um, I, I I don't think I've ever seen Spurs surrender quite like that. Um, how how do you feel about Pochettino now? Given what you said in our last episode, I'm, I'm still 
I'm still holding in there. Uh, I know that I've now been saying this a while, but I, I really believe that if we just hold in there a little while longer, that there are resolutions to the current problems. And, I, you know, Bayern are a really good team. You face them at a time when you're going through hardship in the club and they can they can punish you like that. And, yeah, they, you know, they didn't create such great chances that the scoreline reflects, but they still dramatically outplayed us. Um, you said, like, you don't think you've seen us... What, did, what was your wording? You, you haven't seen us collapse? Surrender. Surrender. We've seen it a couple of times. We saw it against Newcastle, you know, but I guess we haven't really seen it mm. at the beginning of the season. At home. <laughs> at home, at the beginning of the season, um, when there are, you know, reasons still to fight for, like it's not, and we're not exhausted or anything like that. Yeah. And, things and, are, and, and also, it, it came after... Um, such a, a promising display yeah. where, where yeah. we kind of, we kind of got a good feeling back. We we dug in in that second half against Southampton. Back to the wall display. We showed that we could defend as a unit. They worked hard for each other as a team. Every man did their job magnificently. And then we sort of see the polar opposite in the second half tonight. It's weird. It's been like that. It's been like it's very easy to look at results and say, oh, God, no one cares. And um, everyone's given up. But like that's not been the case. It's been this like this bipolar emotional tantrum mm. where we're we're extremely up and we're extremely down. I'm, I don't mean to use that phrase um, offensively. Apologize if anyone is uncomfortable w- with the analogy I'm making there. But, you know, yeah, like you said, we've seen that Southampton performance where the players have really dug in against hardship. And then we've seen this this opposite where everything collapses. So I don't think it's as simple as saying that, like, we don't care or it's over or people have given up. It's we're just we're trapped in this really weird headspace and these weird performances. Um, I, I don't think that's the same as it, this being the end. Yeah, I agree. It's it's very situational. And there, there were, I mean, you know, I'm saying it's a big surrender. There were some mitigating factors sure. in the second half. And let, let's not go into them now because no. I can't face going over it. But there, there, were, there were things that happened. And, you know, but some of those finishes were ridiculous and wouldn't happen all at the same no. time no. again. Um, so there is that as well. But you're right, they totally outplayed us and uh, our defending was utterly appalling and there was a, there seemed to be a real lack of heart, which is the, which is the thing that, that upsets me the most and puts the fear of God into me the most because on that showing, I think it's really hard to argue against... <laughs> Say it. <laughs> Poch not being able to motivate the team anymore. I, 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 I do. I think he's... I, it's that kind of lost the dressing room cliche. I I really feel that he has now. I, I don't I don't agree. I don't think we're unmotivated. I think if anything, there's like we're too emotionally invested. Like like we, you know, like the 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 draw at Stamford Bridge, the battle at the bridge, and yeah, again Newcastle. Again, it's not that like we've given up or we don't care. It's we care too much, and when things start to go wrong, we we're having this highly emotional reaction that's having such a, a negative it's not like they're not trying in, in patches they're not trying but that's as an emotional reaction to hardship rather than like a disinterest from the start i i think it's possible to turn this around i bloody i wrote an article last night and earlier today that like it's just like right start again oh god and Bardi and i in the first half of this podcast were really quite upbeat and yeah um, and chipper about things and, and feeling like everything's okay and the thing is of course you shouldn't just jump to conclusions after one match the problem is it isn't one match is it it's um 
it's it's the best part of 2019 where like you say we've been so up and down so inconsistent so unpredictable we've had the highs of the champions league where we've been excited and captivated and emotionally invested and then we've had the lows of some of the premier league matches where we've just looked abject absolutely abject and like like we're struggling to um find motivation to overcome teams that we should be should be thrashing um and I don't know. I, I I'm very concerned now. I must say, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's not got long left in his job. I wouldn't be surprised, but I would certainly be incredibly disappointed. I do think that we should stick it out. I do think that the option, the alternative options out there are, are certainly long term. In theory, even if a sudden change gives us some kind of boost. Um, did you preview this game in the first half? Not really, no. Okay. Do you think before this game you might have said that it's a freebie? Uh, I probably would have done, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought we'd probably lose 2 or 3-1. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. That, yeah. I'd have been fine think, with that. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. And then when it gets ridiculous, you, you can't hold... Yeah, we can't really hold on to that sort of idea anymore of, of just letting this one slip. But, but I mean, I don't know. it's the decision making just went. Um, and they weren't talking to one another, not communicating. There's, um, and and that that implies a lack of of lack of leadership to me. Because if you're a well led unit, you communicate well. Communication is so important in football, and our players were ranting and raving at each other, not talking each other through the game tonight, and that's not good. Um, should we just stop there? Because we could just go in the downward spiral here, couldn't we? Yeah, no, I think you. Yeah, you're right. We're yeah. Let's let's come back. Uh, let's come back stronger and hopefully be talking about some more positive results. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barney for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davey Shambles and SoundCloud Lindner. Do check him out. He's great. great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.